Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of having a relationship with God, and this program is the third program in this series. In this program, I'm going to talk about how people approach God or their attitude towards Him or the kind of relationship that they would like to have with Him. It's not the kind of relationship that He is necessarily offering to them or that He is willing to have with them, but there is an attitude that a lot of people have when they think about having a relationship with God. There is an attitude that they have that they think that the relationship should be a certain kind of relationship. And so in this program, I'm going to talk about this. And the main reason why is because I, I believe that this attitude, these beliefs that a lot of folks have are obstacles, that they are in the way of a person having a real and genuine relationship with him because they are trying to have a relationship with him that he simply is not going to have with them. To begin with, I'm going to talk about how people approach individuals, and then I'll talk about how people approach groups of individuals, a collective, and then from there I'll be able to describe how a lot of people approach God because he's often thought of in a collective sense not normally in a personal sense. So to begin with, let's make it simple and talk about how people approach other people on an individual basis. In general, the way that a person builds a relationship with somebody else is they think of them in terms of their utility or their usefulness. A person will look at someone else and decide or examine that person, study that person or size them up. They will examine them and try to determine how useful is this person to me. I don't believe that this is a healthy way to have a relationship with somebody or to start one or to build one. I don't believe that at all. I believe that people should relate to each other in terms of how are we going to work together What will be our mutual equitable contributions with each other so that we can create and build something new, great, good that we can both benefit from? But that's not normally what people are thinking. In general, people are thinking, what is your usefulness? What am I going to get out of you? That's how people relate to each other. It is unfortunate But you have to get in touch with this. I know that most people want to pretend that this is not happening. And the reason why they want to pretend this is not happening is probably because this is exactly how they want to relate to people and they don't want it to be exposed. They don't want it to be exposed. They want to keep the lie going, the deception going, the manipulation going, because they're really just interested in what is your utility? What is your usefulness? What am I going to get out of you? 
This is the way that people will tend to relate to individuals. And when they think about God as an individual, sometimes they will think of him in this way and just be thinking, well, what is it that I'm going to get out of God? What's he going to do for me? That's what they're thinking. They're not thinking in terms of, well, how will God and I work together in order to create more life, in order to create good things, in order to experience more peace and more joy? That's not normally what people are thinking. Okay, now this is on an individual level. On a collective level, it's a little bit different, but it still kind of has the same premise behind it. On a collective level, when people think about having a relationship with a group, or when they think about being a part of a group, a part of a community, or a part of a business, whereas they're one employee out of many, when people think about being a participant in a collective, no matter what the size, they could be thinking about the collective as in the whole country or the whole world. When people are thinking about a collective, what most people are thinking is they're thinking that the way that the relationship should be defined between them and everybody else is that it should be in this way. It should be from each according to his ability and to each according to his needs. This is an exceptionally popular idea. This is an exceptionally popular belief. Most people think this way. They really think that the way that other people should relate to each other is that it should be from each according to his ability and to each according to his needs. This phrase comes from Karl Marx, what is known as Marxism, and depending upon how it's applied, People can call it communism or socialism. Whatever ism you want to put on it, it doesn't matter. All right. It doesn't matter what kind of a name or a title you may place on this kind of attitude or this kind of belief. It is a consequence of the individual relationship of what is your utility. It is a consequence of that in the sense that now we get a lot of people together what is going to be the utility of the group or the usefulness of the group. And the main reason why people like this, why people want this kind of relationship with a collective or individual, the reason why is because most people do not want to be a contributing member of the group. Most people do not want to be a participant in the sense that they are giving to others in a way that others are going to benefit from their effort. That's not what people want. They want the reverse. They want to be the beneficiary of other people's ability, of other people's effort. They want to know what are they going to get out of this relationship that they are going to have with these other people. That's how most people think. It is unusual to find someone who doesn't really believe that. Now, what happens in just about every case, what happens is that society or the collective or the team, the group of people, the family, whatever, whatever this is, it gets divided into two different groups of people. It gets divided into those who have ability and those who have needs. 
That's exactly what happens. Those who have abilities are the ones who exercise those abilities. And those who do not have abilities, they do not exercise those abilities, but they do have needs. And so those who exercise their abilities supply what is needed for those who have needs. And so this becomes the decision that a person makes when they are going to join or be a part of the collective, when they are going to be a part of the family, when they are going to be a part of the business, when they are going to be a part of the team or the community or the country, whatever it may be, when they are going to become a part of it, what is going to be their place? What is going to be their role? Well, to have the place of being more needy is more appealing because there's no effort involved. You are just simply the person who has needs. And so a lot of people will intentionally refuse to build abilities. They will refuse to learn how to do things. They will refuse to learn how to be a contributing member of society Because there's no advantage for them. Why be a member? Why be one of those people who has abilities? Why? Just be one of those people who has needs. And then everybody else who has abilities will be required. They will be enslaved to supply the needs that you have. And this is exactly how people relate to other people. A lot of people relate to other people in terms of a collective or a group or a family structure even, this happens a lot. Karl Marx just simply described this in a formal way. But this is an attitude that has always existed and will always exist. And civilizations have risen and fallen because of this attitude. So if you see a civilization that seems to be in decline, chances are it's because this is how people relate to each other. They relate to each other in the sense that a person decides that they will not be a participant, they will not be a contributing member of society according to abilities, because they don't get to keep all that they produce. Let me repeat that. People choose not to be one of those people of ability because they are not allowed to keep all that they produce. In fact, most of what they produce will not be theirs. If they were allowed to keep all that they produce, then they could freely trade what they have with others who will produce what they can produce, and then people can have healthy, sound relationships with one another, such that because of the relationship, there is an increase in what is available for both persons to increase their quality of life. But instead, people relate to each other differently. They just look for people who have something, and then they try to find some way to be dishonest, deceptive, manipulative, whatever it takes in order to take from them who have to give to those who do not have. That is generally what happens. Now, of course, there are differences with people. Some people have this attitude in a strong way. 
Other people only think about this in a light way, in the sense that they are more committed to this belief. In other words, everybody kind of exists on a scale. They exist on a scale somewhere between from each according to his ability and to each according to his needs in an absolute sense, on one side of the scale, and on the other side of the scale, from each according to his ability, and then allow everyone who produces something to trade with each other as they desire, in a way that people get to keep all that they produce and can share give away if they want to, or trade if they want to, or sell if they want to. People should be allowed to keep all of their labor. Otherwise, it is a degree of slavery. It is a degree of slavery for that person when we declare how much they have to give up of what they produce. The amount that they have to give up is the degree of slavery. If they have to give it all up, then they are an absolute slave. If they only get to keep 10% of what they produce, then they are 90% a slave. So it's either slavery or freedom in this sense, but most people prefer slavery because they want to enslave others, those who are able to produce, and they themselves do just about everything imaginable to try and make sure that they are not capable of producing and contributing to society in any way whatsoever. All right, so there is a scale that exists, and people will normally fit somewhere on that scale between those different points of view. But when it comes to this kind of relationship that people would like to have in terms of how they relate to others, this is how they will relate to God. God is often perceived kind of like a collective, kind of like the universe, you know, or the force. Or something. He's an abstract idea, or if he is a person, well, he's so big, he's immense, it's not really a personal thing. We would like him to be more of a collective thing or an impersonal God. People would like him to not be personal because, in this way, it's easier for them to relate to him as the one who has the ability, and they are the ones who have the needs. That's how people will tend to relate to God. They only think of him as, well, he's the one who is able to give me everything I need. That's what he can do. And I, of course, have a lot of needs. And so that's going to be the relationship that I say God is going to have with me. God is going to be the person, or he's going to be the God, who gives me whatever I need, maybe even whatever I ask for. And this is exactly how people approach him. They approach him, they approach their God in this, in this way, with this kind of an attitude of, well, this is what God's for. God exists in order to give me stuff. That's why he's there. He's there in order to do things for me that I can't do for myself. That's why he's there. And people's entire prayer lives, for example, their prayer life is nothing more than relentlessly asking God to do something or to give them something. That's what people do. That's a way of understanding the relationship that a lot of people want to have with God. You just simply look at, well, what is 
their prayer life. What does prayer mean to them? What is prayer for, for them? The only reason for prayer, which is a way of having communication with God, you want to be present with God, you want to have communication with Him, stuff like that, in order to establish and experience a relationship. And their prayer life is really nothing more than asking Him to give things or to do things. Now, let me say, I don't think that there's anything wrong with asking God to give things or do things. I don't want to say that that is evil. I'm not. I will say that that can be good. What I am saying, however, is that the way that people relate to him is they relate to him as if that is all that he is. He is nothing more than the galactic Santa Claus, or he's the gumball machine in the sky, He's the person who we seek. He's the person who we do things for. Whatever we can do that seems to be, seems to be something that doesn't require a lot of effort necessarily or something that may be recreational for us. Whatever it may be, we relate to him in this way for the purpose of getting something from God. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with, with people who have uh, decided that they are to no longer be a Christian. They have decided that they that uh, that they're not going to be a Christian anymore. They say that they were a Christian before, and then they tell me that that they're not a Christian anymore. And I ask them, well, why? What what uh, uh, what made you make that kind of a decision? What was that about? And they always respond to me in the same way. Well, you know, I asked God for help. I asked God for this. I asked God for that, and He never came through. He never did. That's that's just simply an example of the same thing, where people think that a relationship with someone else is all about, what are you going to get out of this person? What are you going to get from this person? What is their usefulness? What is their utility? They never think about mutual participation. That all that we do is ours. All that we have is ours. All that God does is His. All that God has is his, and we can put the two together. We can put the two together, and together we can do great things in creating life. We can do that, and people don't think about that. They don't think in terms of we are going to join together and through mutual participation, either I'm going to be a participant in his life and what he is doing, or he is going to be a participant in my life and what I am doing, and we're going to have a combination of the two. We don't think about mutual participation. The only thing people think about is, what am I going to get from God? What is he going to do for me, and what am I going to to, to get out of this uh, experience of of knowing him and of singing to him and of praying to him and of not doing all these bad things he doesn't want me to do. What is he going to give me in return? There, There are entire movements within Christianity, the prosperity movement, for example, parts of the charismatic movement. There, there are entire religious congregations. There, there are entire ministries that are built and designed and are influenced by this. All that they are about is how do we get something from God? That's all they are. You can go to the bookstore, to the Christian bookstore, and you can look at the books on the shelves and you can see that many of them 
are are just simply books about how to get God to respond to you, how to get him to do things for you, how to get him to give you things that you want or need. And this simply is not the kind of relationship that he is going to respond to. You know, people get things miraculously, uh, it seems. There, there are good things that happen. But just because good things happen and just because things show up, just because there are there are good things that take place in people's lives doesn't necessarily mean that it's because God did that. People would like to think that he did that, but you know what? Maybe he didn't. Maybe it just happened because you were at the right place at the right time or somebody else made a decision that seemed to be in your favor. We never think about the fact that people make decisions all the time and they perform actions all the time and there are consequences, there are side effects when it comes to things like that and people can experience good things and great things just because of the environment that they are in and because of the decisions of other people and then we say that God did that and he may he may not have done anything he may have had nothing to do with it whatsoever or maybe he did i'm not going to say that he that he doesn't and he never will but my point is simply that this is not what he wants and if we don't let go of this if we don't think about who we are what we are able to do What do we have? If we don't think about ourselves and think about how are we going to grow, how are we going to change, how are we going to learn, how are we going to increase in our abilities, how are we going to increase in the ways that we can be a contributing member of this world, if we don't think about how we're going to change and grow and mature and become greater ourselves, then there is going to be Limited opportunities, highly limited opportunities that God will be able to make use of us or to be able to do things with us. People think that just because they exist, just because they are present, that God is supposed to supply them with everything. They genuinely believe that. Quite often people believe this just because they grew up with this kind of an attitude They grew up in a family where everybody did something for them. Their parents did things for them. They got whatever they needed, and they contributed nothing. They really learned. They learned throughout their entire childhood, their entire growing up, that people will give them things only because they exist, only because they are present, just because they are willing to talk to you, just because they are willing to be nice to you sometimes. Or they will use that as extortion and say, you will give me what I want or I will be mean to you. That is how a lot of children grow up. That's how these children become adults. And as adults, this is how they relate to other people. They just do it in a more sophisticated way. And so when they are confronted with the reality of God, they will relate to him in the same way. You know, sometimes people can assume that that's what I fundamentally teach as well. They can assume that that's what I teach because a lot of what I teach has to do with receiving what God has for you. Receive the inheritance that you have in Christ 
It is all free. Everything that you need for life and godliness, he has freely given to you. You need to embrace that, learn about that, apply it in your lives, and they assume that that's all that there is. But that is not really the relationship. That is necessary for a baby to grow and mature. And I teach that with that intent so that people will grow and mature in their relationship with their God. But the relationship with your God is not about him just giving you everything that you need for life and godliness. You need that and you need to be able to grow in that in order to become a mature believer. But once you become a mature believer, you are to be a participant. And what you have received from him, you are to make use of. You are to genuinely make use of all that he has given and build something with it, do something with it. Your life should be a reflection of you making use of that which he has given to you and not just for yourself, but as a way of being a participant and a contributing member in the society that you are a part of. Definitely seek the Lord on this and ask him in what ways can you and the Lord work together. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the third program in the series I produced on having a relationship with God. In this program, I addressed what I believe is the most common obstacle that people face when considering the idea of having a relationship with God. The obstacle is that people are normally thinking of God only as someone who will give them things or do things for them, that he only exists for their personal benefit, that the relationship is only about what is he going to do for them, what is he going to give them, and they really have no interest in being a participant in the things that he is doing. This is an obstacle that I believe people need to be aware of because I do not believe that God will respond to this and have this kind of relationship with people. This is not how he generally relates to people, that he only exists to do things for them and give things to them, and that's it. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net